As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this on the Monday, a couple of days after the craziness at Villa Park on Saturday afternoon. We'll, of course, talk about what went down, uh, and we'll also assess the next block of games. Uh, We're joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning, guys. Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday, indeed. Um... For an opening question, right, before we get into the game, uh, we were thinking about karma for very obvious reasons. Emmy Martinez, <laughs> having spent the entire game time-wasting and with, with random shithousery, ended up scoring the winning goal off his face, on the post, off his face and into the net. And then also, by the way, was out, way out of position for the fourth as well. And uh, it, really, I couldn't have laughed more at one of my own jokes, to be honest, and I do enjoy them, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so we were thinking about karma. So what's, um? have you got any other karma stories? Uh, Amy, what about you? You like a bit of karma, Ooh, don't yes. you? Yes. You believe in uh, it. And this was a very, very magical karmic moment up at Villa Park for those lucky enough to be in the vicinity. Mm. Um, yeah, come with me, dear listener, uh, back to the autumn of 2003 and a certain Rude Van Nistelrooy who in a game that mattered so profoundly further down the line rather than six games into the season, well, let's not beat about the bush. He cheated to get Patrick Vieira sent off in an absolutely classic crunch battle between Manchester United and Arsenal. And he um, he kind of kicked... Vieira was down on the floor having been fouled by kind of ungainly sort of lumpy challenge from Van Nistelrooy and Patrick sort of kicked out at him uh, or made the motion, shall we say. But uh, there was a good a good uh, few inches of space between... A few inches? Grand Canyon <laughs> is what I was going to say, enough. but okay. There yeah. was a chasm yeah. between, pa- uh, between Patrick's boot and Van Nistelrooy's body and he recoiled as if kind of, you know, speared by uh, a bayonet or something. Uh, and the ref clearly hadn't seen exactly what had happened from the right angle, promptly sent off Patrick. And there was a, a, an inner fury within the Arsenal team at this. 
And then, of course, Van Eastroy had a penalty in stoppage time and the karmic gods smiled upon the woodwork. And Van Eastroy, who very seldom missed, smashed it with, with venom and a very audible smack against the woodwork. Rude Van Nistelrooy. And Martin Keown, amongst others, took pleasure in taking their own kind of karmic retribution, let's say. It was a lovely moment. By the way, uh, any viewers uh, to uh, the coverage on Saturday morning uh, on BT Sport would have seen Martin Keown <laughs> shouting his way through two hours, uh, almost <laughs> as much as I shouted my way through two hours, uh, I'll be honest with you, but... Um, uh, what a marvellous, marvellous moment that was. Uh, yes, of course, Van Nistelrooy. Of course, karma. Lovely. What have you got for us, Adrian? Yeah, that was the old, that was the ultimate karma. Um, I saw Martin at the at the game the other night before Man City. He was on good form. I mean, he's very... He's he enjoying very, life he's, at the moment, isn't he? He's ha- he's happier than I've ever seen him, I've got to say. Um, he, was, he was very, very funny. It's not a um, high bar, though, is it? Adrian, no, to be fair. No, he, no he, he, has, he can turn. He can go the other way. <laughs> so what have you got for uh, us? <laughs> um, it, mine's more recent. It's it, it's not quite as big, but at the time it felt pretty sweet. 2018, March, so four years ago almost. Troy Deeney, after he'd said to us that we lacked cojones. Do you remember that? I have to watch what I say on, on Luke, but yeah. having a bit of... <laughs> Cajones, I think the word is. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have the bottle. We didn't have any cojones. Um, next time, he rocked up at Emirates Stadium. We battered them 3-0. But he had a penalty up against Petr Cech. Hear what they think of him. Troy Deeney is denied by Cech as if meant to be. And he missed it. was saved by Cech. And Arsenal fans in the stadium that day um, reveled in Troy Deeney's embarrassment that was a that was a great karma moment for me yeah, I mean it's, especially since Petr Cech was really not renowned for getting any never say Ben so for him to for the one never and only time way. he did it to be against Troy Deeney in that in that particular circumstance was amusing <laughs> Yeah, very, very nice. Um, I actually had to be reminded of this by Abby, our producer, 2002 Cup Final. This was about as instant as the karma could possibly be, was uh, Ray Parler bearing down on goal and Tim Lovejoy, a Chelsea fan, commentating on the game saying, it's only Ray Parler. And essentially, as the, the, the last syllable of Parler left his lips, uh, Ray Buried one in the top corner from 25 yards away. What have you got on your bench? Because you need to bring on someone, don't you? Oh, no, he's putting through. Oh, sorry, it's only my car. I was at that game, so I didn't hear this till later on, but uh, that is pretty much as instant uh, as it can get, uh, really. And it hits Martinez and it goes back in. And if he hadn't done all that time wasting, maybe this game would have been over by now. There wouldn't have been six minutes of extra time to play. Obviously, we're going to talk more about Emmy Martinez. It was Aston Villa 2, uh, Arsenal 4. An incredible game of football. Uh, I think it's fair to say put us all through the full range of Arsenal watching related emotional distress. Uh, now, I don't know how this season will end up, but after the couple of weeks we've had... We got beaten up away at Everton, had to put up with the new manager bounce, had two points stolen from us by a refereeing decision so bad the bloke who made it has left his job by mutual consent. (laughs) Yeah, right. Lost not only the game, but our leadership in the Premier League to our title rivals. And then 
Less than 72 hours later, came back twice from behind and scored a 93rd minute winner away from home. Uh, Amy, I, mean, I can say this to both of you, but Amy, I'll ask you, I, I'm so proud of this team this weekend. The character they're showing for such a young group, for what they've been through. Well, funny enough, when you were just going through that bit of poetry discussing what had happened recently, <sighs> the emotions of those game, of that game there was one particular moment that I feel like will live with me for quite a while and you talk about emotional distress and that was when Martin Erdegaard sort of just about shanked his shot slightly <laughs> wide of the post and it would have made it 3-2 um, quite late on in the game. And um, I don't mind, I've got a very bad habit of uh, sometimes with particularly intense moments in matches, I sort of fall to the floor and I just felt like I couldn't get up after that, uh, which was, I, I, I was absolutely floored by that moment because you think this is it, this is the comeback. And it was such an unpredictable game. It really wasn't clear which way it was going to roll in the end. And in a way, what he did from that encapsulated what the team has done, which is have some adversity and have the kind of response that you can only dream about. Because from that moment on for the rest of the game, instead of sort of it messing with his head or him feeling sorry for himself, his level of focus and determination just grew. And I think whenever, you know, you, if you want to be an elite sportsman, it's important that one of the skills that you gain is how to deal with a, a, a mistake or a setback. Because there is no clear path through any sport without mistakes, disappointments and setbacks. And obviously the famed response that we all talk about is so critical. And in that moment, as captain of the team, after that few weeks of difficult stuff that's happened, he played out of his skin after that miss. A miss that, you know, could have been one of those where where it's like, you never know in terms of sliding doors moments if Arsenal drop points. Maybe Man City's game goes a bit differently because of the psychology of it all, you know. But... I think he um, created a kind of record high seven chances or eight or whatever it was in that match. And he he lifted himself and around him, they had to dig so deep, that team. How knackered must they have been? How much physical and emo emotional energy did they put into, particularly the Man City game, but, you know, those previous few difficult games culminating in that. And Villa had a free week and it was an early kickoff. And it was a, a sticky first half. And to come out and show that sheer desire and hunger to make sure they did what was necessary as a team. You know, when you look at the Ramsdale save, which was, you know, across the pitch, there were people doing things that made a difference to their outcome. When you look at um, Jorginho taking the initiative to take that shot, when you look at the way they handled the corner with Martinez coming up. Again, an example that, yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but it might have messed with everybody's heads a little bit, the pressure you get, you cave in. And the way they turn that from uh, something nerve-wracking to something absolutely elating. Even Vieira's little cameo, that little pass, I think, while he was almost off balance, was perfection to Martinelli. Just as a team, they refused to not win the game. You know, they, they didn't let setbacks. Bukayo Saka getting kicked to shit, excuse my language. <laughs> but again, it was just, 
mind boggling. And he was hurting and it looked like he might have to come off. And he he stayed the course. He got himself through it to play his part. They had to dig deep, those boys, and the way that they did it and getting the bonus of Man City dropping points and, and ending the weekend, going back, going back with a bit of space to the top. It was monumental effort. And it was. At 2 2, you, I spent a bit of time in my head thinking, okay, what happens if it stays 2 2? Is this okay? But you knew it would have been okay, but in your heart of hearts, it had to be a win. And I think that the, the players responded accordingly. All right. I mean, Amy has pretty much covered all the points <laughs> <laughs> there that we're going to talk about. Sorry, stream of consciousness. Thanks for no, coming, no, no. everyone. That's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you. Um, I mean, let, well, let's do it a bit chronologically. Uh, Adrian, the first half performance was not good. I mean, what was wrong? Was it was it a hangover? We didn't seem to have our usual energy. I don't mean a hangover in a sense of. I mean uh, from Wednesday. That's what I mean. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a really disappointing performance. It doesn't help, does it? The fact that that you give away bad goals and and the two that we gave away were were really bad. I, I thought. Just bad decisions. Were, Obviously, you had Zinchenko on the ball. And and for me, Xhaka doesn't need to make a forward run and leave his post uh, and get, get ahead of the ball. So many players are ahead of the ball. Zinchenko can't lose it and, and he's sloppy, he does. So Xhaka's out of the game. There's too much space for Jorginho to make up. And Saliba's very, very slow to sense the danger of Ollie Watkins, who is a master at sort of spinning centre-halves and running running into the channels. So, And then, of course, once he, once he gets hold of the ball... Saliba could get two yards closer and narrow the angle and just make sure he can't score and, and he hesitates. So that was a really bad goal. And then the second one, obviously we let them play play up the pitch very passively. We don't really press and we're a bit slack with with, with our defending. And and then Ben White makes a an uncharacteristic error, gambles on the ball being played to the winger. Leaves a massive gap inside of him, and and from there Villa played brilliantly. You know, it was a lovely dummy and, and a really good finish. So you know that's the reason we were we were losing at half time. It's because of those those two patterns of play, really. But um, but yeah, in in general we were we weren't at it. Two shots after half time, or in that second half we had eighteen shots. I uh, on the show I I, I said it's unthinkable that we've only had two shots. We have to. I'm setting the the bar at a minimum requirement is 10 shots in the second half. And look, we'd had 10 shots by about 15, 20 minutes into the second half. That was the response. I, I was really proud of this performance. I thought it was um, full of character. And it, it was a game where the team rediscovered themselves. After a, after a sticky patch, they remembered what had got them there in the first place, the spirit, the buccaneering adventure going forward, the drive, the purpose about everything they did, defending as a team, it all came back to them. And and even though we had to ride our luck with that, that brilliant save from Ramsdale, um, we thoroughly deserved the win. We did. Bukayo Saka, Amy, you obviously mentioned him um, when you listed the entire team and the subs and the... Uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> and all the management. Talking of subs, shout out to Granite. Having been subbed, but not yet wearing a bib or any other exterior yeah. clothing, but pelting <laughs> across the pitch to join in the celebrations yes. of, uh, of, uh, of, of the uh, Martinez own goal. And, uh, you know, 
if you didn't know, you certainly wouldn't have <laughs> had a clue that he wasn't actually legitimately on the pitch at the time. Not meant to be and there. I think, you know, yeah. that's probably the, the most enjoyable booking he's ever had in his life. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know this. It's news to me. Quite a lot to choose from as well. Bukayo uh, Saka, I mean, it will get lost a little bit in some of the other stuff. But what a finish, Amy. I mean, I mean, they said they, they technically how well he connected with that ball. I mean, it was just, there was absolutely no doubt in his mind when, when, uh, when Tyrone Minx headed it out to him and he buried it. I mean, it, we go on about him and he does need protection, but my God, uh, that got me out of my seat. He's got everything. Yeah, and, hasn't he? And he's so brave and he's so strong. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a lot of players that wouldn't be able to withstand the treatment he does. Forget about his age. Forget about everything. I mean, he really gets kicked about. And it almost reminds you, getting a bit excessive here, but when Maradona was playing in Italy and he just used to get, you know, brutalised every single game and just get up and carry on. They said, I've, I've read, by the way, that uh, I, I read that they basically, they talked about giving him the ball in a slightly different position, a bit away from the defender so that he doesn't get kicked as much. That's really be... helping, is it? Um, well, it, he's still getting kicked a lot, irrespective of that, and he's still not getting protected. And he was the one who got booked. Yes, but you know we know what's going on, and that that there isn't a kind of a reasonable way of of, of consistency with these things. But um, there was one point in the first half where you know typically of this season he was very very wide on the right, and uh, Trossard was very very wide on the left, and I just found myself thinking. Yeah, he obviously does so much damage there, but somehow we needed to get him on the ball more. And, you, yeah. you know, you, the one thing about that style of stretching the pitch is that there are times where those players, they're, they're being very disciplined in sticking to their positional requirements as set out by the manager. But you, unless the ball gets, you know, gets sent their, direct, their direction, they're not in the game. And he's so good that we just need him to be close to the action. And I found myself pondering whether he can somehow play inside a bit more as well or do a bit more of both. Because when he's anywhere near the box, he's uh, he's electric. He is he's, electric. He's, he's absolute dynamite that could go off at any time and opposition defenders know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we were 2-1 down at half-time. Words were said. I mean, if they had tea at half-time, no doubt teacups would have been thrown. The players came out about five minutes early. Uh, Adrian, coming mm. back from 2-1 down away from home in the Premier League at half-time, I mean, tell me how hard that is. What do you think was said? I mean, I mean, you sort of covered it by saying they remembered who they were and I guess yeah. they were reminded who they were. But I think, I think that was at the crux of it. I would have thought, I don't know what Mikhail said, obviously, but... I think he would have just reminded him, stay calm, don't panic. You are you're an incredible team. Remember what got us here in the first place, the drive, the, yeah. the, the purpose, the attacking ambition, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not a team that, that gets wound up. Yet in the last three, four matches, we've had scuffles. We've had we've had pushing and shoving matches. That's that's not us. That's that's us letting frustration get the better of us and I think we stayed cool and we clinically dispatched them in a in a way that was also sort of red hot in, in the way that we went about our football we played at a fast tempo but we were cool in the way we went about it except for the finishing up until up until the, the final bit um, how hard is it to come back from you know 
losing at half time. Well, this stat will tell you plenty. Arsenal hadn't won a Premier League game outside of London that they were losing at half time since December 2009. That's how that's how hard it is. Uh, match against Liverpool at Anfield that we come, came back in. So I knew you were the right person to ask this question. <laughs> well, I'm going to credit. Seen... I'm going to I'm going to credit our commentator at Arsenal, Dan Roebuck, for this one because he 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 came yeah. up with the gym yeah. just before half time, and um, and and yeah, I double checked with him before we came on air that that's correct, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. So that's incredible. So, so look, it's not the sort of thing we've been doing doing all the time. Um, so well well done to everyone. It, <laughs> It was the attitude because not everything was going our way. Eddie hitting the bar, brilliant header, hits the bar. Erdegaard with Great that jump. It was a wonderful Great jump. jump. But but yeah. there was so much good stuff. The through ball from Erdegaard to Eddie. And then, he's, you know, he doesn't do too much wrong with the finish, but he lifts it over the crossbar. It, was, it felt like a nearly game. and But the, the team carried on believing. And that was, that was yeah. wonderful to see. They did. All right, second half. So we got the equaliser. Alexander Sinchenko's first goal for Arsenal. That's a big moment for him. He didn't really celebrate, did he, Amy? He just wanted to get back to the centre circle because he knew there was more in it. And I like I that. I found attitude. that quite surprising because I thought that he is quite an emotional character that he would have shown a bit more for that. It, it was a winner's celebration, had... Amy, because he wasn't satisfied yeah. with the draw. The, his no, first yeah. reaction was, this isn't enough. We've got to win it. He celebrated at the end, and I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. There's a few uh, but, you know, few his, his shooting there, has, has been wild. And I, I I think I did that thing where you're glad you're not a commentator, whereas he cocked his leg back. I was like, oh, no, no you know. It's a lovely hit, that. <laughs> and it's a beautiful hit. caught it at, with... Um, with such accuracy, he did. Uh, it was uh, it was fantastic and just hugely impactful in terms of at that point in the game, what it did to to the whole kind of feeling within the camp, to the group, and even I think in the away end, you know, it had gone a little bit like people were a bit shell shocked before then to find themselves losing and knowing what was at stake, and it, it really just brought the whole thing back to life and think yeah. was everyone believed platform for I- for the win. At that point, at 2-2, there were a couple of big misses, as we said. There was also a fantastic save by Aaron Ramsdale as well. Adrian, that's essentially a goal, isn't it, at the other end? Yeah, yeah, it was a very, very difficult save to make. You know, the player, was it Leon Bailey? You can't believe it because he couldn't have hit the ball any sweeter. It was kind of he probably expected the ball to come across him so it was unexpected that it comes to the left but just the reaction save was was awesome and you need your goalkeeper to to do that every now and again you need them to bow you out that's what they're there to do and I think he would have been frustrated because Villa had really scored from their only two decent efforts on goal you know in essence he hadn't done his job of keeping the ball out of the back of net for the first two so that was a that was a big big moment for him and for the team and yeah, yeah I just I, I do feel I, I now feel that they can't wait for the Leicester game they can't wait for for the ones to follow now and a lot of it is down to that save and then what happened straight afterwards quite let's talk about Jorginho Amy a lot of the fan base were not that enamoured when he signed you know we've been chasing other targets and he felt very much like a last minute stopgap. 70 complete completed passes in the game more than anyone else I believe and um, and then he scores 
Well, he didn't actually score, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened the way it is, and we'll talk about Martinez in a bit. But he looked really good, I thought, at the weekend. He, I mean, this is not. Uh, listen, I love Moel Nenny. I know you were singing about him on, on the train on the way home. He's great and everything. But, but Jorginho is definitely. Um, uh, he's a he's better. a better player. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a better player than Moan Nenny. And I thought, and I know that against Man City, I thought he played well. We may did maybe did miss Thomas Partey a bit, and Thomas Partey certainly brings something different to the team. But I thought Jorginho had an excellent game, aside from the goals. A goal, even before his goal, I thought he was class, and I thought he was influential in the energy and the upping of the speed levels and tempo of the way Arsenal were playing. There was a lot more first-time, one-touch stuff going on. He was picking clever passes. He wasn't just playing an obvious pass or a slow pass or a safe pass. He was doing a lot of hugely intelligent work to try and unlock the game for for the winner with the service of others around him. And I think that's a comment that Arteta said about him, which is that he makes players around him better and that's something Gilberto Silva used to do, for example. Yeah. And I think if you have a player like that in your midfield, what is absolutely apparent as well is that not only was his technical quality and intelligence very important, but also that character and winning mentality. To have a player like that who brings something to the dressing room and to the team in the way that Zinchenko, Jesus, says a lot has been said of what they have improved in terms of how people think about what's going on and what their ambitions are and their capacities to see them through. You know, he he does bring that with him. But uh, it's very interesting because, like, at, you know, like you say, there was so much emotional baggage to signing uh, veteran Chelsea players. And what he has achieved in a very short space of time that I don't think really any of the others achieved was a big moment early on to... Um, to belong and when you see how engaged he was with the celebrations when you see how the rest of the team and him shared that joy uh, when you see the way that the fans took to him and you know all you could hear at the end was uh, you know song for Jorginho I did, I, there are still players who have been a long time at the club who don't really have a, a, you know a well-known song but in the way that Czech or Galas or Willian or whatever never really connected. There was an important connection made there because in that moment of truth, when so much was on the line, him being so new, he stepped in and made it happen. I mean, Adrian, I saw a picture of uh, of uh, Bukayo Saka being carried on Jorginho's shoulders and Saka is pointing down at Jorginho saying, this is the man. Yeah, I like He that. feels part of it already, doesn't he? And that experience in a group so young... He's massively important. Yeah, isn't it? we talked about it before, haven't we? Yeah, in those big moments, he's been there, and he can, yeah, can use that now, that experience. Um, yeah, it was a huge moment for him, that just feeling accepted. You know, it's easy to forget that he wasn't liked by Chelsea fans at the end. He was, you know, they were on him, and he knew that Arsenal fans weren't enamoured with the signing because of the Chelsea Arsenal connection, because of the failures of of others that have gone before him. He would have been well aware of it. So he would have felt the need to prove something. And this is a moment that just instantly just changes everything. But also the performance. I think I made him man of the match. I haven't fully rewatched the match yet for the breakdown. But my, my gut tells me that 
that he was the main man for Arsenal in the game. I love the forward passes, as Amy said. It was the, the it was the it was a great four ball down the right with uh, with Erdegaard, Saka, and Ben White, and obviously later in the game, Tommy Asu, Jorginho fed some beautiful passes into Saka, into White, into Erdegaard. No one passed to Erdegaard more than Jorginho in the game. He, yeah, he he forged a lovely unit there that Aston Villa just had no answer to at all, slipping the ball in in between fullbacks for fun. He did it early on in the first half for Trossard, I think it was as well. Yeah, really good, incisive passing. Um, So yeah, look, he's not as suited to play the single pivot defensive midfield role as Thomas Partey for, for physical reasons but in terms of what he does on the ball he, he's every bit as good as Thomas yeah um, I'll tell you what then let's uh, should we laugh at Emin Martinez for a little while I mean uh, I mean look I was how compl- long you got <laughs> you know that's a fair point I mean I was I was on Twitter when he got booked in the 84th minute having been time wasting from minute one and the referee booked him. And then he just carried on time-wasting uh, anyway. And then for the way it happened to have happened, Jorginho shot bouncing off his face, essentially. I mean, Amy, it couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke, could it? <laughs> it, it really was poetry. It was. Um, I mean, it also, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes it's a weird thing when you're watching football. Sometimes time takes on this kind of illusory feeling and you know either time feels quicker than it really is or feels slower than it really is and it can change a lot during a game with what's going on and it it almost felt like slow-mo on the side where the Arsenal away fans were Jorginho takes the shot and there's that kind of whoa like kind of second where it's floating through the air and you know that it's heading in the right direction. Close, yeah. And then that very, very split second where it, there's the shock of it bouncing back off the post and like, no, oh my God, no, you know. And then a split second after that, the joy of it being in the net and realising quite how it got there. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's almost like how much emotion do you want to pack into a single second and also just get that wonderful, the celebrations were absolute pandemonium. And it was a mixture of relief to be in front. It's so important. Euphoria with the comeback and hilarity. You know, people were laughing because of the fact that it had gone, gone ear for Martinez, who, you know, had been having this ding dong really sort of with the, with the away fans for quite a lot of the game. And he was taking an inordinate amount of time before generally kicking the ball out of play, actually. He did that quite a number of times with his uh, goal kicks. And if you notice, notice, he didn't ever turn around and put his hand up as if to apologise for booting the ball out of play when he did actually kick the ball to his own own teammates. I think he was more kind of cross with them somehow. I mean, his ego does seem to be uh, rather idiosyncratic, shall we say. (sighs) And I thought it was very interesting that um, Unai Emery, what, you know, who's normally someone who's he doesn't want to pick at his players, I don't think, didn't have any qualms about saying that he didn't want his goalkeeper to go up and 
nine times out of 10, a goalkeeper will take that instruction from the dugout or maybe 99 times out of 100. It's very unusual for someone to just do that off their own back. And in, a, in that way, uh, Martinez was making it about him and not about his team. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do look at him and wonder if he, he maybe thinks he's too big for Aston Villa. Which they'll sell, they'll sell great, him. I'm telling you now, they'll sell him. I'm, I'm sure they will, but I mean, I, I just think that probably leaves a little bit of a bad taste. It's not great. It's not a great characteristic, is it, to to give the impression that you're bigger than the club that you're and, at? And it, and winning the World Cup probably hasn't helped with uh, those sort of that sort of behaviour. Unai Emery, this is what he said today. I'm very very disappointed. I'm embarrassed about the last go. I've never told my keeper to go forward. It's not the spirit. We have to keep our mind clear and be smart. Mm. Um, Adrian, that I mean, that last goal was actually as much fun as the third, almost as much fun as the third one. The third one was an enormous rush of emotion. But the last one, <laughs> I mean, it was a great through ball from from, uh, from Fabio Vieira that, by the way, he timed that perfectly. And I loved his celebration <laughs> yeah. uh, when, he, when he knew he'd got him through at the right time and it was onside. What are your feelings about players celebrating before they've scored? Love I mean, it. They did get Gabby Abdullahor <laughs> was on um, on on some radio station slagging them off. I was celebrating. I don't see why they should. Oh no! I mean, it's not going to miss from there, is he? It's only bad if you miss. <laughs> it's True. it's great. It was it's natural, isn't it? You want a celebration to be instinctive, and Vieira's instinct was to sort of punch the air as he as he was on his knees. Uh, he'd put him through Martinelli. Yeah. I'd have been tempted to do the same. It was really, it was such an adrenaline rush, wasn't it? For for the players as well as the supporters. You couldn't get two more fun goals to win a game, could you? I mean, it's impossible. That's the, yeah, give us the choice. <laughs> and that is the, like, that's about, you know, if we'd actually asked us beforehand, how would you like the game to go <laughs> yeah. with those two goals at the end? I think a lot of Arsenal fans would have picked exactly, exactly. that. One off Martinez's face and the other one where he's 100 yards up the field. It's just you wouldn't have imagined it. It's just, you wouldn't have dared. No. Wasn't it a bit miserable, better. though? I mean... <laughs> For me, like, what's the difference? Maybe this is why I'm not a manager, but what's the difference between losing 3-2 and 4-2? You, th- you would have thought... Yeah, but maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's about his frustrations with the character, yeah. not necessarily I, with the... I think so. You know, yeah. the like you said. He, yeah. he, and you think, they'll, you think they'll sell him? He didn't hesitate to out him in public or, or to say that how disappointed he was. Now, they'll cash in because he's probably their most valuable asset, and I don't think Uno likes him. Not this, He obviously rates him as a keeper, I'm sure, but... Probably the certain aspects of his character that he thinks now nah, not for me. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I think I think he'll move on, and that'll be better for Emmy and for Aston Villa probably um, in the long term. He's a he's a huge character. I think that he's carried with him a little bit of resentment about the way he left Arsenal, and I understand that to a degree because he was sensational during that spell in, in between the sticks, and he probably should have been the one that they kept rather than the one that they sold, but. He's probably held on to that too long. He said a few things and obviously his behaviour um, didn't endear himself to the fans either, did it? So, yeah, it was a sweet, 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 sweet moment. Absolutely beautiful. And I know you say you haven't watched the game, but I've watched the highlights three times so far. <laughs> I might actually have another look after this, to be honest <laughs> with you, because I, I got such a rush. And by the way, my next door neighbours, I haven't, I haven't had that much to do with them. They don't know much about me, but they absolutely definitely know how I feel about Emmy Martinez, all right, because they would have heard that. They would have heard that five doors down. Um, <laughs> one more thing before we take a break. Um, the team's confidence. We have talked about it, but Amy... 
Is it better for them to win that way, do you think, to a comeback win, a 3-0, as opposed to, say, a 3-0 stroll in the park? Not that it ever looked like we were going to have a 3-0 stroll in the park, but a comeback win like that. I mean, the rush they must get and the feelings they must get from doing what they did, coming back from 2-1 down at half-time, coming back twice in the game, that has got to lift them in a way that it's, it's the perfect way to win, isn't it? I mean, that's a, a really good question and I'm not sure what the answer is because I'm definitely struck by a, a lot of what Adrian was saying about being emotional and trying to keep calm as well and remember what you're good at. So I think there's a there's there's both mixed into that whole thing. I think, would you rather win 3-0 and be very comfortable or would you rather have this kind of emotional roller coaster? I mean, on the day, the emotional roller coaster was amazing because it ended the right way, but... On another day, you're still looking at defensive mistakes that you need to iron out over these next few weeks in order to attain the ultimate goals. So, but at least you have not the sure. three points. I think the three just... points was was the critical thing. Quite kind of, however you got there. But this season is just such a hell of a ride. So it is. Uh, and and the next game now suddenly feels imbued with tremendous extra importance because when you look at what follows it in terms of this block of games and. We'll talk about As that. I've mentioned before, I've been in this habit of taking little blocks of this season as the only way of kind of handling it. Um, well, hold fire, very, hold fire a second, one. because mm. we will talk about that little block. Um, Adrian, do you? How do you feel about that? What I just asked Amy. Yeah, I think I think Amy's right. I think that the chaotic nature of the win gives you that that it re-energizes the team through excitement and it brings everyone together again and you all just love one another and I think but I think you don't want that to be the norm but I do think that a win like that can give you the confidence to go into the next game feeling that you can control things better I think winning when you've made some mess ups is is a great thing to do because then you can go go into the next one and ensure that you don't make those same errors again but I think every player will go in with a real bounce into the next match. It'll be tough against Leicester. That their new four-pronged attack is pretty tasty. I've got to say, they st- in defeat. They had 19 shots yeah. at Old Trafford. Yeah, they will. They will test us. Yes. Um, but I think we will absolutely test them at the back because the nature of the, what happened in that second half can't fail to inspire us to to play with that attacking verve again that that we love so much, you know, for most of the season. And we do love it. Uh, This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here with Handbrake Off. Uh, Amy, you've talked in the past, you talked um, five minutes ago about blocks of games. Uh, in fact, sorry, I had it written down, all right? I was just reading. <laughs> Amy, you, <laughs> when I say the past, I mean two minutes ago about blocks of games. The four after the World Cup break, West Ham, Newcastle, Tottenham and Man United, that was a block. The last four uh, that we had, Everton, Brentford, City and Villa. And now we've got five. I mean, you could uh, say hang six. On. It's actually six, no, I'd say, if you include Leeds. Well, I'd say no. six league, ga- league games before. Yeah, but um, we got there's an international break after the fifth one. So let's uh, let, let's take it. Well, to I'm the... just looking at before Liverpool away. Okay, anyway, you were whatever. looking. All right. Well, there's a block of either five or six, <laughs> depending on how you want to view it. We've got Leicester away, Bournemouth and, Ever- Bournemouth and Everton at home, Fulham away, Palace at home, and like I say, uh, Leeds at uh, home as well, isn't it? Leeds at home. I like the way you're thinking about this, and I'm now thinking this way, Amy. These these blocks of games. There's a lot of winnable games in this little block, aren't there? I think this is going to be a hugely decisive period in terms of you know, how how possible things might be come the end. Because you look at the la- you know, the, the nine games that follow that and there's all sorts of <laughs> intrigue and complications going on. Yeah, Liverpool away, Newcastle away, City away. There's some big games, yeah. And plus that'll be a period where if Arsenal are still very much in the chase, that, you know, nerves and experience and stuff will become even more of a factor and you know these are things that are new to to this squad the majority of them anyway so I think I'm sure that the, the team although they're continuing to do their one game at a time stuff quite rightly know full well that this is a time that can really make or break being in position to go for that last push and there's a p- potential if Arsenal can rediscover that kind of uh, winning run that they had earlier on in the season and be winning, if not all, then the very, very big majority. That's just going to be exciting to get to the end of that block and see where Arsenal might be. Because if they can continue to, you know, to, to put together a winnable run, then you know that Arsenal have the potential to be in front because that's what they have in their hands at the moment. So to be in front going into the last lap, Will, yeah, will be uh, it's something that they that is within their grasp, and it's something that they're good enough to do. This is the thing, isn't it, Adrian? Just being in front. I mean, at the end of this little block, we are two points clear with the game in hand. I mean, how City didn't win a Forest, I have no idea yeah. after 900 <laughs> chances, including by the way, Erling Haaland, who I know Eddie and Ketchers. It gets a bit of stick uh, from people. Oh, if Haaland was playing for us or something like that. Haaland missed an absolutely massive chance for Man City. Uh, two, in fact. Um, but in the end, as Amy said, it's just about staying in front, isn't it? Just keeping our nose in front. I think it is, yeah. During that same block, I've got City's fixtures in front of me. Obviously, they've got one less because we've got our game in hand, yeah. which is the Everton one. Got to win that. 
they've got in that same run. So if you look at our, our six games, look, we'll, we'll start as favourites in every single game. I would say that 16 out of 18 points is very achievable there. Um, five wins and a draw. That that would keep us in front of City. No doubt about it. Their run of five is Bournemouth away. They'll win that. Newcastle at home. Tricky, as we found out. Palace away. Probably win it, but it's traditionally tricky. West, West Ham at home. They'll win that. And then they've got Liverpool at home. Anything could happen in that game. So... <sighs> I think if we get 16 points from 18 across that batch, I think we'll extend our lead because I can see City dropping you know, points during that their own run as well. What about Man United, Adrian? Manchester United, that's the point because we're not, nobody's really, well, people are starting to talk about them now. They're only, what, two, three points behind City at the moment. Yeah, they look the real deal. And that, that, that cup match, the Europa League game against Barcelona, oh. that worried me because... <laughs> That was a high-level match, yeah. and Manchester United were excellent in it. So, yeah, I think they are in the race, definitely. They've improved massively. You can see that. I think we both said, me and Amy, after that United win, that United are so much better than they used to be. Yeah, um, That's a big win for us. It's turned out to be an incredibly good result, wasn't it? In that run of games for United, they've got some tricky ones. They've got, they've got, you know, uh, they've got Liverpool away. They've got Southampton at home, Brighton away, tricky, Newcastle away, tricky. So they've actually not got too many games, Manchester United, during that run. Only the only the four. But they've also uh, got the League Cup final as well. And they've got the second leg of the Barcelona game. They've got quite a lot of other games. They're still in four competitions. Well, they can only get 12 during that batch. Yes. So if they win four out of four, they've got 12. So, yeah, in theory, by the end of this run of games, we should have extended our lead over Manchester United, but that those games in hand would have disappeared. So um, it, Amy's right. This is, I think this is where it's... where Not where it's won or lost, but where where the belief stays or, or, or fades. And... One more question. Um, in terms of, we've talked a lot about the mental strength and about the character of the team and how together they seem to be. Amy, what else do they need then if they want to stay where they are? Is it just a game-by-game game thing where they just have to do the, the little things that they that, uh, Mikel Arteta said they didn't do in the first half? Uh, I mean, there are obviously things to work on, but what what can they do to ensure that they can stay in this position? Just find that sweet spot as best you can between energy and relaxation. Yeah. If you know what I mean. But yeah. also, also key, key, key is being lucky with injuries. Because there is still um, a thinness about the best of the squad. And although they've been doing pretty well in covering for people being out, you, you don't want too much of that. And there are certain players that would be a pretty devastating loss. I think Saka being one of them, most obvious. Yeah, so I, I think trying to keep that squad fit and in the right headspace to be going game by game is is, is as much as we can hope for. The other thing to consider as when we look at that fixture list and we, we sort of rub on our hands a little bit is is they're going to be really defensive opponents. And the, the Villa game suited us because Unai kind of went for he it went more for than it bit, yeah. went for more than we anticipated and, and made it a, a sort of end-to-end match. Now, Leicester will, 
I've no doubt they'll try and win the game. But Everton, when they come to Emirates, you know what they're going to do. Um, what, what, yeah. Bournemouth, probably similar. Fulham showed at Brighton that they can, they can withstand an awful lot of pressure and nick something on the break. That's so, not so an easy came. game, that. Even the home game against Fulham earlier in the season was Not really easy, yeah. Pa- Palace at home, you'd think you'd have enough. Leeds, I think, I, I couldn't see us dropping points against Leeds, but... But yeah, I, I think that there's a couple of awkward ones in there. And I still stand by what we've been saying, that, that it'd be nice to have a little bit more, something of a plan B in place to, to unlock really stubborn, super defensive opponents. We didn't need a plan B at the weekend because of you know Villa's open style, but we might still need to find that. Yeah. All right, let's have a song before we go Adrian what have you got for us do you have a song for us I think I've got a nice one this week for you <laughs> okay. uh, it is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers I Won't Back Down oh. <laughs> I just think it sums up perfectly what happened at the weekend you know let's you stood <laughs> up, didn't I'm they? Not gonna, we're going to keep going we're going to keep going no one's going away we are not going to back down here no matter how much you kick us no matter how much you time waste no matter how much you knock us and say we're not good enough to win the league we're not going to back down and and that's the spirit that is indeed the spirit amy what have we got one choice here john lennon instant karma <laughs> <laughs> Which has the double benefit of having a um, a, a subtitle, if you like. We all shine on, and I think both sentiments are very, very apt. Nice, nice. I've got something connected to that, really. I've got the payback, James Brown. Incredibly funky uh, bit of guitar playing, which later featured uh, for On Vogue. You're never going to get it, but this is where the original came from, the payback. And it's just a payback for Martinez wasting at least half an hour in that game. And uh, and we and in the six minutes that they added on for him time wasting, we scored two goals against him. One of them, one of which he wasn't even in his own half. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, so uh, that's what I'm going for. Uh, and that has been uh, Handbrake Off. I hope you have a good week, Gooners. I'm sure you will. Uh, thanks to Adrian. Thanks to Amy. And thanks to Abby, our producer. I've been Ian Stone. And this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See ya. See ya.